Hello, welcome to another MLEX podcast. I'm James Paniki, Brussels Managing Editor here at MLEX, coming to you today from our offices uh, on the mean streets of the European Quarter of Brussels. I'm just joking, there are no mean streets in Brussels. Thank you very much for joining us, and whether or not you're following all of the detail of the roller coaster ride that is US politics at the moment, subscribers to our services will be aware that there are a few key appointments that will have an impact on the administration of antitrust in the US. And to walk us through these issues, who better than Leanne Island, MLEX's chief global antitrust correspondent. And under normal circumstances, she's based in our offices in Washington, DC, but she's with me in Brussels today, very much in her global capacity. Hi, Leah. Hello. Now, I realize it might be hard to keep up with developments at the moment, but you have been following the appointments of the new administration as much as they affect antitrust or other policy areas that we cover. Let's start with the appointment of Macon Del Rahim, who was appointed to head the Department of Justice's Antitrust Division. The appointment requires Senate confirmation. When is that likely to happen? So Macon just had his uh, nomination hearing last week. Um, generally, the Senate uh, Judiciary Committee, which uh, that held the hearing, is going to wait a couple weeks and then they will move his nomination to the Senate floor where uh, he'll need a full vote before the Senate. Right now, um, the Senate's been taking about a month or so before um, they consider any appointments. So we're probably talking about June, maybe even July before he gets in. Is that time lapse standard? Is that uh, is that a standard amount of time to have to wait? Not really. Uh, in general, in previous years, um, the Senate would confirm a tr- president's appointee very quickly. But uh, <laughs> there are some uh, senators who don't particularly like Trump's picks on a lot of things. So the Democrats have been deliberately sl- slow walking a lot of them. And so how did his hearing go in the uh, in the committee? Was it a rough ride? <laughs> he actually had a very easy time because uh, it happened on the day that James Comey was fired. So all of the, <laughs> <laughs> the senators were a little bit busy thinking about other things and they didn't ask him very many questions. And and but what uh, what kind of issues did come to the fore? For example, his his history as a lobbyist that that was no doubt that was definitely one of the things that uh came up he had been a lobbyist for uh on the anthem signa deal and so some senators wanted assurances that he wouldn't be involved in that deal if when he took over the department of justice and he was happy to to provide he was happy to provide that that's that's a pretty standard one if you've been involved in a deal Mm. you generally uh are willing to recuse yourself also, if your firm had been involved in a deal, even if you weren't personally, in general, you recuse yourself for, uh, from the firm's business for at least a year until mm. you've been at the Justice Department for a while. And is, if he were appointed, is his appointment likely to mark a break with the Obama administration's approach to the issues that he will be covering? So he does have different views on a couple issues that were pretty important in the Obama administration. One of them is antitrust and intellectual property. Uh, he is a Republican, Macon is, and so he has uh, pretty strong views that uh, antitrust and IP don't necessarily belong together, that antitrust should sort of stay in its antitrust side, and IP, except in a lot of circumstances, should um, intellectual property law should sort of take the floor in related to IP issues. So uh, that was actually his portfolio when he worked at the Justice Department Antitrust Division during the Bush administration. Uh, he dealt with international affairs and IP primarily. So he has written a lot of speeches um, and papers and such on his views about that. So it's pretty well known. So obviously there will be a certain time lapse before he is confirmed. The confirmation process goes through. 
until that confirmation happens, who is actually running the operation? So right now, uh, the division is being run by uh, the man who will become Macon Del Rahim's principal deputy once Macon is there. His name is Andrew Finch. He is a lawyer who previously worked at Paul Weiss in New York. Uh, he was also previously in the uh, George W. Bush administration at the Justice Department. That's how he mm. and Macon met. He, uh, since he returned to private practice at Paul Weiss, he has been involved in a lot of um, antitrust litigation. He represented MasterCard in the case, uh, both the Justice Department case and then in, in all of the interchange litigation. He also represented Deutsche Bank in the Forex investigation. And so what does that tell us about him? What, what kind of an approach would he have to the job? He has had, actually, he's only made one speech so far. It was last uh, week in mm. at the ICN conference in Porto. And one of the interesting things was he was talking about his experience with uh, cartels because he had represented some leniency applicants before. And one thing he did mention is it costs a lot of money to be a leniency applicant and really... Uh, regulators should be looking for ways to make it easier and perhaps less expensive for companies to come and apply for leniency. Is that the kind of reasoning you often hear from uh, someone, someone obviously with, with Republican connections or not? Mm, you might you might, you might mm. not. And Bill Baer also had a lot of experience as a carteller. He's the previous mm. uh, head of the antitrust division under the Obama administration. And he did bring some of his thoughts about how uh, cartel investigations should run, having been on the other side. So. Okay, let's move things along to the Federal Trade Commission now. There is yet to be an appointment there, but let's talk about the front runners. Who are they? The first one is Sean Reyes. He is the Attorney General of Utah right now. He's interesting. He's a political newcomer. The Attorney General position uh, is the first political position he has held. He is Mormon. He is very interesting. He is of... Uh, I, well, I made a note. It's Japanese, Hawaiian, Filipino ancestry according to your articles yes and when he was (laughs) in school he did dj on the side under the dj name pineapple crush which is which is uh (laughs) which is not bad he's also apparently interested in martial arts and pokemon go yes um so obviously bringing a wide range of skills to the job but quite seriously uh his time as Attorney General has been marked by a sense that he was quite a consensus builder, that he was yes. good at working uh, across uh, across party lines. Do you think he's going to need to bring some of that sensitivity to the job if he is, in fact, chosen for it? Definitely. The FTC has five members, three of which will be Republicans, two of which will not be. So it's pretty important. And the FTC prides itself on its bipartisanship. So he's definitely going to need those consensus building skills if he were to go there. He hasn't had a lot of antitrust cases while Attorney General, but the one thing in which he has uh, made a note of is last year he and the Attorney General for Washington, D.C. sent a letter to the Federal Trade Commission suggesting that they reopen their probe into Google. Uh, the FTC had done a probe of Google and closed it in 2013. Meanwhile, lots of other people, including the European Commission here in Brussels, have uh, continued to investigate Google. Some of them uh, are likely to get some kinds of remedies. Hmm. But, but why would Reyes have an interest in Google? Why would that have fired up his imagination? I think uh, it's possible, as you said, he um, mentioned Pokemon Go. The FTC's initial investigation was only focused on search uh, bias. Since then, a lot of the investigations have looked at the um, Android mobile operating system, which is something that the FTC didn't look at at all. 
So that, I believe, was one thing they mentioned in their letter, that perhaps the FTC should look into that. Mm. Let's talk about other possible candidates. Maureen Olhausen, what do we know about her? Yeah, so Maureen is uh, currently the acting chairman. She prefers chairman mm. of the FTC. So she doesn't say chairwoman, she says chairman. She says That's chairman. her choice, yes? Yes, it is her choice. Mm. Um, she has been on the commission since, I believe, 2010 or 11. Mm. She is also a lifer at the FTC before she immediately before she was at a law firm, but for a very significant portion of her career, she worked for the FTC, both in the general counsel's office and then the Office of Policy Planning, which is sort of like the think tank within the FTC mm -hmm. that thinks about a lot of policy issues. And, and does that incumbency count for something? I mean, is, is that a, a strong point uh, in her favor or could her detractors use it against her and just say, look, she's part of the of the corporate culture? Well, you could definitely say that it gives her an advantage in that she knows how the institution works mm. and so she knows how uh, to get things done at the agency. On the other hand, one of Trump's favorite sayings is drain the swamp. Mm. So, Well, is she part of the swamp if, in, in, <laughs> from his perspective? <laughs> Possibly. Question. Yeah. She has been, uh, she said that she's uh, ready to establish regulatory humility. Now, humility is not often a word that we hear associated with Washington, D.C., but what does humility mean in this context? What's she so talking about? So Maureen's uh, sort of mantra of regulatory humility means that regulators should not try and stick themselves in if they don't understand things, that really their uh, purpose should be only to intervene if they are sure that what they are going to do is going to help. And if they aren't sure, they should sort of keep their noses out. Yeah, but I mean, that that sounds like common sense. I mean, how <laughs> I mean, how revolutionary a concept is that in, uh, in that context? I mean, she is a Republican, so regulatory humility and, you know, not mm. intervening in the markets are sort of uh, the watchwords for the Republican Party. Democrats, particularly ones in the Obama administration who are very pro-enforcement, might think a little bit differently. You know, maybe there was there's been um, a lot of them who've been concerned about what we call type two errors, i.e. not not bringing the cases that should have been brought and then therefore the um, prices go up and consumers are harmed, that there has been a lot of concern about that, particularly among Democrats. Okay, uh, in, a, in a broader sense, Leah, how is this delay in nominating antitrust officials affecting current cases? There are definitely several cases that are sort of in holding patterns while they're waiting for um, these officials to get in place. One of the big ones is Dow DuPont. They don't have anyone in the front office yet who can really sign off on that deal. Anthem Cigna was also in a little bit of a holding pattern uh, because Andrew Finch was recused as well since his firm had represented Cigna in the case. Mm. Um, one other really major case that is sort of stalled right now is the U.S. Department of Justice's uh, case against American Express. They won at trial and then got reversed before the Second Circuit, and the antitrust division would really like to appeal that to the Supreme Court. But in order to do that, they need approval from some higher ups at the Justice Department. Mm. In even broader terms, how is the uh, all of the commotion that we're reading so much about in Washington at the moment? Uh, how is that affecting overall the uh, the sense of certainty that uh, people might be hoping for uh, in the industries that are affected by decisions by antitrust decisions? Do you think? The Trump administration is pretty busy doing a lot of other things, and nominating antitrust officials doesn't seem to be very high on their radar. So it's not a top priority? It's not necessarily a top priority. But you've heard, uh, like we all have, uh, the, the suggestion, no doubt coming from Trump's detractors, that antitrust laws could be unleashed 
to punish those uh, industries that are not signing up to the game plan, who are not investing in the United States, who are, who are uh, still outsourcing um, a lot of their labour requirements to other countries. Uh, is, is that just part of the political, partisan political uh, debate? Or do you think there's some, some merit to those concerns? Well, I think people were really relieved when he nominated Macon Del Rahim because he's a known quantity. People know exactly what he thinks, and he's not going to jump off the deep end hmm. and open an investigation into Amazon because Donald Trump doesn't like their newspaper, or Jeff Bezos' newspaper, The Washington <laughs> Post. Um, so that did provide a lot of uh, comfort for people in the antitrust bar. For companies, it's still a lot up in the air. We don't have anybody at the FTC because they're stuck at 1-1 one, one right now. There are only two of the five members. Both of those members have to agree before anything can happen. Um, and they have, an, in a couple recent cases, disagreed very strongly. <laughs> mm. Well, what happens? I mean, what happens when it's 1-1, one, one, when the, 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 all of the positions haven't been filled? Technically, if there is a tie, uh, it tie goes to the company. So... Uh, if they it were to come out 1-1 and they couldn't wait any longer, a merger could go through or the company could continue doing whatever the practice is. Fascinating times, Leah. Thank you very much for speaking to me. Uh, Leah Nylon is MLEX's chief global antitrust correspondent. She's with us in Brussels today, but under normal circumstances is happily ensconced in our Washington bureau. You've been listening to another MLEX podcast from me, James Panicki. Thank you very much for joining us. Bye for now. <laughs>